Welcome to the Black Tech Fest podcast. This is our roundup of everything that is going on in the black community with regards to technology, innovation, creativity and culture. Hi everyone, I'm Kimberly, and I'm a people partner at Bloom and Wild. I also lead on diversity and inclusion for the group. So for those who don't know, Bloom and Wild is an e-commerce flower business on a mission to build the world's leading and most loved flower and gifting platform. And we've recently um, continued our expansion into Europe through our acquisition of Dutch company Bloomon and French business Bergamot. We're currently really busy um, trying to bring as much joy to people as possible through our lovely products. And today I'm joined by Mario and Simi from our tech team. And we'll be talking about changing careers and transitioning into tech from different functions and how to navigate that change. We'll also touch on things that companies should consider when trying to attract and retain black talent. So let's start with a quick round of intros. Um, Mario and Simi, please tell our listeners a bit about yourself and if you could also include an interesting fact. So, uh, Simi, let's start with you. Hi, um, I'm Simi, of course. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty new to Bloom and Wild. Um, this is my third month. Um, this is actually my second role in IT, so I'm pretty new. Um, I'm a test engineer on the App Squad. Um, and yeah, that's a bit about me. Oh yeah, an interesting fact. Um, I write with both hands. I think that's a pretty interesting fact. Do you do it equally, both hands, equal proficiency? Okay, so what it was is that I'm originally left-handed. Okay. But my parents didn't want me writing with my left hand. Because, <laughs> because I'll tell you why. Because in school, left-handed kids often have issues like when writing on desks and stuff because most people are right-handed and then you end up <coughs> nudging wow. elbows with people. So my mum was like, taught me how to write with my right hand. That is genuinely kind of astonishing. <coughs> yeah. That's amazing. Okay, uh, Mario, can you beat that interesting fact? <laughs> I can try. <laughs> um, so my name is Mario. Um, I've been working in IT for the best part of five years now um, as a QA engineer, um, test engineer, however you want to call it. Um, I guess my kind of intro into it has been a bit of a happy accident, but we'll get into that a bit later. Um, I love music, sports, travel, and an interesting fact about myself. I broke a toe, I think, on one of my feet, and it's been broken for the best part of 10 years, but I think it's healed itself now. So I don't know if that competes with no. the ambidextrous, but... Did you seek medical help? Never. Never? You've Never. just, like, self-diagnosed and self-healed? I'm, I'm pretty like, confident it's broken. Yeah, that's the Wow. Thing. I think you, you, you might actually be on par with each other there. <laughs> so it will be great to understand a bit more detail about your roles and what you specifically do here at Bloom & World. Okay, I can, I can go first. Mario. Um, so Sorry. I'm a, a test engineer. Um, so basically what that is, is I'm <coughs> testing um, some of the systems that we have here at Bloom and Wild, um, ensuring that they're functioning um, and that nothing is going to crash in future. Um, we use a, a number of different testing approaches and testing tools um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and we also document everything that we do um, um, on a day-to-day as well. Mm. What about you, Simi? Yeah, so I'm actually a junior test engineer um, on the app squad. Um, So I work with iOS and Android apps. Um, Basically on the day-to-day, I kind of like test the functionality of our apps and just to 
test quality control and how it works, um, how our customers are using the app um, and how they can use it more efficiently so we can get give them the best service we can give them basically. Okay, and you mentioned um, that you are part of the App Squad. Can you tell us a bit more about how what squads are and um, how they're structured? Um, uh, so yeah, you can go on there if you want. Thanks. Uh, so basically, with the we have a number of squads, and they're kind of like focusing on different areas, um, specialising on maybe testing the front end. Um, testing the back end um, as Simi was saying his squad uh, focuses on testing applications like mobile applications on Android and iOS we all have different tools that we we specialize in in order to get you know make sure that our jobs are executed to the best um, best degree um, and then we come together weekly as well which is great just to discuss exactly what we're doing and give demonstrations um, just so that us as QAs or test engineers however you want to call us um, are fully aware of what the next person is doing hmm. Yeah. I guess touching on your uh, careers into tech, I think that both of your um, journeys into your current roles, um, I think will probably offer quite a lot of people some encouragement into the fact that you don't necessarily have to have planned out your career and know that you're going into a tech role from an early stage. Um, so I'd love for you to share, share a bit about your journey into tech um, so far. So Mario, if we could start with you. Okay, so... My introduction into IT and tech was a bit of a happy accident. Um, I was working at Universal Music for three years um, in a role where I was scheduling releases through our like bespoke internal supply chain um, just for business providers and business distributors. Um, and then I saw an internal position come up um, and I just decided to apply for it, even though I didn't necessarily have the correct skills for it. Um, spoke to the hiring managers um, and they were happy to take me on. And from that point onwards, I became a business metadata analyst um, where I was basically just creating test show products for our um, testing team to test. Um, and then from that point onwards, I was a business analyst um, in Berlin for three years. Um, but then again, um, that role was mainly like QA. I was testing like 80 to 90 percent of the time. Um, so from that point onwards, I just went into the direction of being a QA, um, which is quality assurance for those that don't know. Um, so where I was just basically testing, um, doing some manual tests, some automation, um, and now I'm here at Blue and Wild. So you mentioned, um, I guess, that you spent some time in Berlin working. Yeah. What, how was that experience kind of culturally in comparison to working um, in the UK? And, and are there any other countries that you've also worked from? Uh, I think, I mean, Berlin... Berlin's really cool. I mean, everyone probably, you know, has heard a lot about Berlin and half the rumours are true. Um, I would say there's no comparison to London, though, in terms of diversity. I think you can look at London as a city and you can see every every colour, every uh, religion you can you can possibly imagine um, living in this city. Um, but in Berlin, it was a little bit, it was a lot more restricted. Um, you look around most companies, you wouldn't really see a lot of black people in IT. Um, and that's also reflected on the street level. You wouldn't see many black people um, just walking around the city of Berlin for um, as well. Um, I would say London's definitely a better city in terms of developing yourselves and career aspirations if you are, you know, from our background. Okay. And what was it like? I guess you mentioned um, being one of few. 
Um, what was it like working? I guess there's one thing kind of being out in society, but then when you think about going into the workplace and potentially being one or uh, one of few amongst your colleagues as as a black man, mm. how was that? How did you experience that? How did you? How did it feel? To begin with, to be honest with you, you didn't really notice. Um, but that's probably a lot of being caught up in the new experience of being in a new country, and you know you're constantly meeting new people, so you're always feeling um, new experiences. But then after a while, you start to feel that isolation. So I would say, to summarise, I'd say it was like a bit more isolated than anything mm. else. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Simi, over to you. What has your um, journey into tech been? Um, it's been an interesting one because I obviously didn't start off working in tech. I was actually in the fashion industry working as a buyer before. I worked for previous brands before I made a transition into IT about three years ago. Um, my transition came from just um, just like a frustration of just hitting a, um, like a glass seed in, in the industry I was in before. And I kind of just wanted to move into something more stable, something more of a future, to be fair. Um, what else can I say? Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm at first, like Mario said, at first I didn't really notice, but as time goes on, you kind of feel isolated, like Mario said as well. But also, it's like I said, I've said before, I feel like it's people at the top. They, we don't see enough people of colour in, how do you say, what's the term you used? In leadership positions? In leadership positions, um, who can make a change and kind of, you know, have it trickle down. Um, and I think that's probably what could help, to be honest, in terms of fe um, people feeling isolated in their roles or in certain workspaces. I think that could help. Okay. Um, and I guess in any of these like companies that you've been in previously, so if I think about us at Bloom and Wild, um, we've created a champions network. And one of the things that I really love about it is that we... Um, it's not only a place where black people can come to have conversations, but actually, you know, we've got people in there with disabilities. We've got people in there that want to talk about mental health. So it's a real like safe haven that we meet up monthly and we have discussions kind of across the entire DNI agenda. Have you um, experienced had experience of that at other at other companies? Like, how have you kind of like built up, I guess, a sense of uh, community? Uh, I mean. From my standpoint, at least, this is the first company where I think a lot of kind of, you know, controversial topics have been um, brought to the top of the table and discussed openly. Um, and I think that's quite progressive. And I think we should just be doing that in general. Um, mm. In other companies, I've not had that. Um, a lot of comments which colleagues can make will just get swept under the carpet or uh, they'll just laugh in public. And mm. that's just kind of the accepted... I don't know, like the accepted way the you know things are handled in that mm. respect, and uh, I think it's yeah, you know, it speaks volumes to Bloom and Wild that this is something that is constantly you know it's an it's an initiative and it's being practiced and preached. Mm. Simi, have you had any um, I guess exposure in in other companies to um, like networks, communities of people coming together to discuss different topics? Um, I think in my short time working in tech, I think this is probably one of the first places that I've actually kind of brought the conversation to the forefront I think <clears throat> my first what actually made me decide to come here was during my interview process how, how the conversation got brought up 
and about um, inclusion and diversity and that's what really appealed to me to be honest um, and yeah I, I can't really say that in other companies it was really brought up at any point I think it's kind of a topic a lot of other companies kind of avoid mm. um, for the most part but yeah Okay. I definitely obviously want to touch on your interview process at Bloom and Wild, but also with other companies that you're interviewing at. Before we move on to that, I just want to ask, what did you both study at university? Well, I studied computer science. So did you, so it's really interesting that you studied computer science and then went into fashion. What kind of, um, how did you decide to go from computer science to fashion and then I guess back into kind of more of a tech? I mean, Anyone who's from an African background will know that you've got to go to university and study something. I mean, um, it's just one of the things that you're kind of... It's a sure banker. You can't be in the house doing nothing. Like, I did opt to my parents. I said to them that I'd prefer to do an apprenticeship, but it was just kind of like uni was what just kept getting drilled into my head. And I've had cousins in the family and siblings who'd gone to uni before me so it's kind of like I couldn't be the one not to go Mm. and those are the kind of pressures like coming from the kind of background we come from that you kind of get Um, obviously because your parents want the best for you they want you to progress you know be able to like be independent Mm. Um, so yeah that's how I ended up um, going to university to study computer science how I got into fashion is a totally different I was all, I've always been a creative person, um, so I kind of just thought, I've graduated, I've got my degree, now I can venture out into other things. And I did, and I enjoyed it, but I knew at some point I'd come back to IT. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And Mario, what about you? Uh, well, at university I studied music um, for undergraduate, um, but... I still love music. I've always had a love for music. Mm. Uh, I think I always will till I die. Um, my master's degree was in digital media, so that was more like a combination of different kind of media arts mm. in the context of digital. Um, but yeah, my introduction into IT was kind of a happy accident. It's just something that I just discovered um, and really just grew to love. I kind of just loved the investigative nature of what we do as QAs mm. and kind of interacting, troubleshooting. Um, discussions around X, Y, and Z. That's one of the main things which I really liked. Um, same with Simi. I mean, you know, from our background, you have to go to university. There's, there's no way out of it. So both of you have, I guess, Mario, you've come from a like music background and then gone into tech. Simi, you've come from a computer science background and then gone into fashion and then back into tech. What advice would you give to individuals that are looking to transition into tech and that potentially maybe they haven't taken the most um, usual route uh, studying a STEM subject and then going straight into a tech role? What advice would you give them to break into the the tech sector? Um, Okay, so obviously not going straight into the IT field right after I graduated and like having no experience what I had to do was I had to kind of teach myself a lot of things I had to kind of network and get to know people on like LinkedIn level speak to them and I had a lot of mentors as well which I spoke to regularly and got advice from them certifications are very important when especially when you don't have any experience in the field 
I think a lot of that you can do online. Um, and I think networking is probably where I was more successful more than anything because I got first-hand advice from people who've done it. Um, so that's the kind of advice I would give. And you have to be like, you have to be able to want to learn new things all the time. You've got to be inquisitive. Um, and I feel that's probably get you far. Mm, okay. Mario, what about you? Mm, <clears throat> I, I would say definitely um, self-development is key yeah. um, with IT. I mean, you can use YouTube as a resource to find all sorts of different tutorials um, if you want to be a coder or if you want to be a product owner or a scrum master or QA, what have you. Um, I, I, would, I would always start off with YouTube because, it's, again, it's free um, and it's always available. Um, you can also, I don't know, like find other courses on Code Academy or Udemy. There's a lot of places where you can, um, you know, learn all of these courses. Um, another thing, which is kind of outside the box, I would say, try to learn a second language. Because if you can stick with that discipline, you can also learn any kind of computer coding language and like apply that um, in the context of if you would like to travel and work somewhere else, then you can still communicate um, in one or two languages. Fascinating. Do you do either of you speak a, a second language or maybe even third? I don't. <laughs> you speak two? Yeah. And they are? <laughs> uh, English and Portuguese, I can read Spanish. Okay, great, excellent. That's great advice. So, obviously, you're both uh, relatively new to Bloom and Wild. So, um, Mario, you've been with us for how long? Uh, Literally two months. Okay. And uh, Simi? Three. This is my third month. Three months. Okay. So it'll be great to hear, I guess, about your interview experience with us, but also with other companies and what made you decide to choose Bloom and Wild as your next role. Who wants to go first? I mean, you can go first, yeah. Marion? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say my interview process here at Bloom and Wild, um, I, I really enjoyed it personally. Um, I had an interview with Lee QA, um, then it was a technical challenge, um, but one of the most enjoyable things was actually um, the final interview with Aaron, who is the CEO of the company. Um, I really felt as though he was very in tuned and engaged with what I was saying and my suggestions um, with the challenge he gave to me. Um, and I just felt like they were really interested in what I could bring to the table um, and you know my past experiences. Mm. What about you, Simi? What's your experience been? I think when I when I interviewed for Bloom and Wild, I was kind of I, I found I found it quite daunting at first. But then each person I met was really really nice. They were really really cool, um, and they kind of wanted to know about me on a personal level as, as well, which was really cool. They wanted to know me as a person, and I think what actually made me come to Bloom and Wild was my conversation with Aaron because I actually had... Aaron Zarr, CEO, for those who don't yes, know. Because um, I actually had another job offer before I spoke to Aaron. And that was, it was, the way it was lined up was really weird. I feel like it was just meant to happen. So I spoke to Aaron and we had like a really good conversation, like I said, about inclusion and diversity. And he seemed re like, speaking to him, I felt it was genuine. I know you can speak to a lot of people and it not sound it can be kind of a forced conversation but with when I spoke to Aaron about it it just felt very genuine and I felt like he actually really cared <clears throat> so that's what kind of like swayed my decision to actually come to Bloom and Wild and 
yeah, I'm happy with my decision to be fair. Mm. I um, I guess like yeah, I would echo that sentiment when I so I'm now a year into my time at Bloom and Wild. And um, when I was interviewing, like every stage of the process, I felt closer and closer to the company. And at the point of offer, it kind of felt like, yes, this is definitely the right decision to accept because it felt like I'd already been on a journey. And it was like really nice to really get to understand how the company operated, but also get to understand um, different stakeholders that I might interact with and get closer alignment with my like soon to be line manager as well. And I would say that like talking about inclusion and diversity with with Aaron, one of the things that I definitely had last year was they at a a time like the, you know, post George Floyd's murder where um, a lot of companies were posting black squares and showing their support for the black community. Um, for myself, there was kind of a hesitancy in understanding, OK, like what is genuinely authentic and people actually really want to turn these um, like conversations into action and what is a bit more performative and people just saying it because, it, you know, it looks like good PR and because a number of other companies are saying it. And what I've like find and found invaluable over the, over the last year is seeing that leadership is really bought in. And I think that that's a lot of the time part of the the challenge with inclusion and diversity is if you don't have that buy-in from the top and kind of like leaders saying that this is something that's really important and something that we want to drive forward, um, not only for like black people, but for other areas of DNI as well. Um, you know, without that, I don't think that you're going to get far. And um, actually leading on DNI at Bloom and Wild and having that leadership buy-in almost makes my job just that little bit easier because I'm not fighting with people to say we really need to do this this is why it's important so I think that it's nice that um kind of at the start of your um you know or at the end of your interview experience that you had that same sentiment from from Aaron as well I would love to understand what what would keep you at a company so there's I guess there's one thing kind of like getting your foot through the door and then there's what companies need to do to retain um you know black talent uh what what are some of the specific things that you look for from from companies mario if you if you want to go first yeah i would say for me uh one of the things which would keep me at a company would be some kind of roadmap um progression in the field that i'm actually working in um i think the most important thing is definitely like being ensuring that you're always learning I think if you're always learning, then, you know, your interest is going to be maintained and you're going to be able to, I don't know, um, create some kind of documents or documentation of your workflows and work processes for uh, future employees. So, yeah. Um, Progression? Yeah, definitely progression. Yeah. I think for me personally, it would be the culture of the company and and the kind of environment it is. I feel, in my previous experience, I just felt like in some workspaces I didn't really feel like I could be myself um, and I think that's just really important for me on a personal level mm. um, and my peers that I've spoken to as well also said the same thing it's like with certain types of companies that might be a more well whether corporate or not you can kind of go into those spaces and kind of feel like you can't be yourself or you've got to put a mask on and I feel like there should be more you know safe spaces for people to just be themselves wherever wherever they're from to be fair any anybody of color just anyone um i think that's probably something that would keep me at a company for a considerable amount of time okay 
And uh, last question from me, or kind of a, a, I guess, a statement, and it will be good to get your take on it. I think that when we look at black people in tech uh, in the UK, it's estimated that around 3% of the people in tech are black. And I guess that there's this kind of ongoing perception of, of a real challenge with trying to like identify and bring in black talent into tech roles. You know, when people say that they're the pipeline isn't there, kind of what's your, I guess, what's your, what's your take on that? I think people are looking in the wrong pipes. Um, I think there's, there's streams of talent in London um, and in the US, Canada, everywhere. I think um, we're all interconnected by the internet. So, you know, the majority of people have access to the internet, which means they have access to education and access to teach themselves how to code or whatever, what have you and work in IT. So I, I think that's, I think it's not true or fair to say that there's a lack of talent within the black community. I think that's just people not looking or not, not um, finding this talent, not, not working hard enough to find this talent. Mm. Yeah. That's my take on it. I think when you kind of perpetuate those stats as well, it kind of gives people the excuse not to look for the talent as well. Because um, it is out there. Um, I just feel like to certain communities I just feel it's something that it's looked that it's like unattainable sometimes mm. um, and I feel like it's like down to us as well to kind of get the message out there that it is attainable you can do it and you and to, in order to do that you have to kind of put yourself in places where you can be like visible as well so people can see you as an example so yeah yeah for myself, like I used to, when I first graduated, I was, I was working in graduate recruitment. And at the time we used to, the company that I was working at, you know, we used to recruit from specific universities. And I think that that's definitely changing now. And, and, and you know, people are now uh, diversifying the portfolio of universities that they look at because they understand that obviously if you keep searching from the same places, you're only going to get the same results. I definitely think that there is onus on companies to make sure that the processes and policies that they put into place are removing any bias out of the system and that we are creating equal opportunities for everyone. I'd just like to end with one last question. So obviously October is Black History Month in the UK and this year's theme is Proud to Be. So I'd love to wrap up our chat with your thoughts on what you are currently proud to be. And I will go first. I am proud to be the mother of two young black boys with a rich heritage that they have um, inherited from myself and my husband so I am half Kenyan half Zimbabwean and my husband is half Jamaican half Nigerian and I think for me like it's particularly important because growing up I probably shielded a lot of my heritage and for me standing here like you know how many decades after it's kind of really great to be in a society now where the younger generation and you know our generation is able to be really proud of where they come from and their ancestry so I will pass over to Simi I, I would just say I'm just proud of where I'm from I'm proud of how far my parents came to get us as a family to where we are now you know like growing up as a black boy in the UK or anywhere for that matter in the western world isn't easy so I just I'm just proud to be of African heritage and you know I'm just happy to be you know accepted in certain spaces and to be able to develop myself and grow lovely Mario 
Um, I would say I'm definitely 100% proud to be uh, Afro-Caribbean, half Jamaican, half Ghanaian. Uh, proud to be a black man in London. Um, proud of how far I've got and proud of my family. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's enough for me. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you for joining us thank for today's you. conversation. Thank you.